Good morning, everybody. Happy, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And uh, that video, I certainly agree that our life would be a mess without mom at the house. Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I so appreciate everything that my wife does to raise our children. It's a lot of work. I know because every once in a while we will have her do some PRN work as a physical therapist, and then I watch all the kids by myself for a couple hours, and I realize very quickly, this is a lot of work. <laughs> and I've got, you know, five plates spinning and breaking up fights and trying to get dishes done and making sure Jesse doesn't crawl over the gates and down the stairs, and it's, uh, it's a lot of work. Uh, but very, very thankful. We're very blessed uh, to have children and uh, just what, what, a, what a blessing. So, so thank you, moms, today. You might be wondering why in the world is Pastor Paul giving a message on worldliness on Mother's Day? Isn't this supposed to be a Sunday where moms are glorified and honored and lifted high? And what about Proverbs 31 or some other great woman from the Bible? And of course, those are all important too. There will be a, there will be a shout out to a particular mom in this message today, so don't worry. But, uh, but just wanted to start off saying thank you, mothers, for all that you do. Uh, just what, what an amazing part of God's design. He designed fathers. He designed mothers, male and female. He created them. And I'll, I'll probably forget this later, but uh, the roses in the back there, we do encourage every mother to, to grab a rose on the way out uh, just to show that Submerged Church values and honors womanhood and, and motherhood. And just thank you for all that you do. So that being said, uh, yeah, as was, was already read, the big idea for today on this message, worldliness, part one. The big idea is abstain from the passions of the flesh, flesh which wage war against your soul. That comes directly from 1 Peter 2.11. If you're following along in your bulletin, that, that's kind of a, uh, just another theme verse of sorts. I know the scripture reading was out of 1 John, but just a good, a good theme verse. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And I know everyone sitting here knows that we are at war, but sometimes we can forget about it. We can get lulled to sleep, and before we know it, we're so far sucked into the world that we forget that we're in a battle, that we're in a spiritual war. So it's important to remind ourselves of that, to remind each other of that. There's someone who hates us, that wants to kill us. His name is Satan. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and have it abundantly, and that's what Jesus wants for us. And uh, uh, even, even motherhood, we know, is, is under attack. You know, uh, Satan doesn't want moms to be raising their children in the ways of the Lord and, and learning what the Bible says. And, and it's, a, it's a huge battle. Uh, even, even our culture that is now saying, you know, what, what is a woman? And just, just the absolute disgrace of, of uh, God's image being tainted because of what our culture is saying. Um, if I was, you know, I've, I've talked to my wife, Haley, you know, she's, she's uh, an athlete. She ran uh, cross country and, and track and in uh, high school. And, you know, I've asked her, you know, what do you think about what's going on these days, you know, with, uh, with, with uh, people, you know, pretending that they're women and they're not and just, you know, how, how wrong it is. And it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's really spitting in the image of God, you know, in the, in the, in the, the face of God. You know, he created them male and female, and we need to protect God's design. We need to stand firmly on what God's word says a woman is and what God's word says a, a man is. And unfortunately, topics like that have been politicized, but they have nothing to do with politics. It has to do with morality. 
God's word gives us clear instruction on what a husband should do, on what a mother should do, on what a true man, you know, act, act like men, be strong. You know, there's verses like that. Uh, you know, the Proverbs 31 woman, the Bible is very clear on, on distinct, unique, special roles that men and women have. And we, we need to cling to that. We need to, we need to claim that and, and make it a, an issue of morality, which, which is what it is. So uh, uh, this topic of worldliness, I'm just going to pray one more time that God blesses our time. Father, pray you give us open minds that are fixed on you in this very moment. Pray you take away distractions. We pray against spiritual attacks. Unstop our ears. Give us attentive ears. Give us soft hearts, Lord, to receive the word that you want us to hear on this very important topic of worldliness and the war that's waging against our souls. Lord, I pray that we'd give you this time. We'd worship you by being attentive, by reading your word, studying it, memorizing it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what is worldliness? Well, worldliness is kind of an unpleasant topic. Last couple of times I've preached, you know, I, I, this is somewhat of a follow-up from what I've been preaching on as of late. I did a message on the 10 devotions. What, what should we be devoted to? What should we be devoted to? And then I gave a message, uh, part two of that, called Stay Awake and Watching Out for Distractions and all the distractions that we have in our culture. And then the last time I spoke, I, I gave a message on the path of deception, an, another D. Satan is on the prowl. He's trying to distract us. He's trying to deceive us. And of course, uh, I, I was thinking, man, this, this would be another good follow-up topic related to what I've been talking about, but just, just getting into, you know, what, what are we allowing our souls to become attached to in this world? You know, and how, how worldly has the church become, and we don't even realize it. You know, like that, like that frog and the boiling water, and pretty soon, before we realize something's wrong, it's, it's too late. So, so what, what is worldliness? We don't really like to talk about it much. When a, when a Christian is asked to think about whether he has become worldly, often he resists and is defensive. Some of you might even be feeling like that right now. Oh, I'm not, I'm not worldly, pastor. Next, next message. <laughs> right? they, they can resist and be defensive. Uh, we would rather be encouraged by statements like, Jesus loves me, this I know, and oh, our Lord is merciful. But what about... God calls us to guard our hearts so that we don't unconsciously drift into worldliness. Who wants to hear that on Mother's Day? <laughs> hey, there we go. We got one. All right. Let's the be let the beatings begin. Ready to? No. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Th this is a warning. This is a warning in First John and, and many other portions of the New Testament. I'm just going to read that that passage of verses one more time. So this is First John. 15 through 17, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides, abides forever. So what is the world? Well, for the Christian, I mean, we know what the world is, you know, where we are, et cetera. But, but for the Christian, the world is those among mankind who are caught up with their concerns for this present life without regard to any life to come. People that are simply living in the here and now, and they're not thinking ahead. Uh, second definition, um, all values 
entertainments, teachings, and philosophies which only seem to care about this world and never think about the world to come. How about a worldling? Kind of an archaic term, probably in the 18, what is it, Michelle, 1823 or 28? 1828, uh, Noah Webster's Dictionary probably has worldling, world, you should look that up, worldling in it. But a, a worldling, a worldling is a person devoted to the interests and pleasures of this world, a worldly person. Not to be confused with earthling, like Marvin the Martian from Looney Tunes, like, greetings, earthling. You know, like, no, this is a, wor- a worldling, a little different. Uh, wor- what's, world- what's worldly mean? Worldly is uh, devoted to this world and its pursuits rather than to spiritual affairs. And then worldliness is anything that's causing war against your soul, as 1 Peter 2.11 stated, which I read already. Um, Yeah, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And we must realize that, we must believe that there is a war being waged against every one of your souls right now. There's, being a, there's a war being waged against my wife's soul, against my children's soul, about, against my soul. And we need to realize that. We, we, are, we are under attack. We, we always have been, ever since the Garden of Eden, right? And it, it can ebb and flow, uh, but we are at a precipice where we, we must be awake, we must be alert, we must be sober-minded and realize Uh, that there is a battle being waged. How can you fight someone or something if you don't even believe in that? See, Satan would rather have people believe he doesn't even exist, right? He would rather have people believe he doesn't even exist. How can you fight someone that you can't see or you don't don't even believe in? Even uh, this Church of Satan had their SatanCon conference lately, and supposedly they, they don't even worship Satan. He's just kind of a metaphor ideology to them. And um, I obviously haven't spent thorough time looking into it. Uh, don't really want to, but, uh, but sa- Satan is real and he's at war with us. He masquerades as an angel of light. We talked about that last time, how, how deceitful he is. Um, we, we as Christians must daily correct ourselves and come back to his ways. It's not just a, yep, I prayed the prayer to accept Jesus Christ and got my fire insurance and we're ready to go. No, every Every day, we need to be resetting ourselves, recommitting ourselves to the Lord, coming back to his ways. Uh, Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. We need to learn to train ourselves in the things of God. So, Really, there's a choice that's needed. The Apostle John tells us that if we love the world, if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. We don't want to hear that, do we? We would much rather believe that we can have this world and also have our faith. Can't we have our Savior and our pleasures too? James tells us no. James tells us no. James 4, verse 4, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You know, Jesus gave us many warnings during his time on earth. Matthew 
10.16, he said there's going to be sheep in the midst of wolves. And he instructs us to be wise as serpents, innocence of doves. So really only by grace through Jesus Christ can we make this choice to follow God over the world. Really only through the power of Jesus. Any, anyone who does not submit themselves to Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they are a slave to their sin. They are a slave to this world, even a slave to Satan without even knowing it. It's either, <clears throat> it's either the world or closeness with God. We can't have both. You can't have your cake and eat it too. We must choose. There are many Christians who seem to have one foot on a moving train and one foot on the ground. Just imagine that scenario. <laughs> got one foot on the, this moving train that's just going on, and then they've got one foot on the solid ground of Jesus Christ. How long is that going to last? They want both but they are headed for some pain and a choice. May it not be so with us. So there's a paradox. Uh, Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 5. This goes along with that song that Jim had the kids do. I guess we need to do a better job teaching that one to our kids. <laughs> I think Josiah got it a little. Anyway, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetousness, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, I want to be really clear on something I think as Christians, we can have a tendency to highlight certain sins and not others. And especially in this area of sexual sin. Let me be very clear. Someone who's practicing homosexuality and someone who's looking at pornography on a regular basis, it's both sexual sin. It's, it's, it's an abomination in God's eyes. We need to be clear on that. We can't be saying, oh, these awful homosexuals, my, my brother's a homosexual. I don't know if you guys know that. And I, I love him to death. I pray for him. Uh, he, he's fun to hang around, but, um, but yeah, he's, he's living in open sin. There's other people that are living in secret sin. And they're looking at pornography on their computer every night. Both of them are wrong in God's eyes. So if, if we're going to go around saying, oh, yeah, this, this gay agenda is getting out of control, or yep, all these transgenders, which, which is wrong? It's an attack on God's image. Then we also need to be making sure that we are living clean, pure lives ourselves in every realm of sexuality. We can't be saying, and I think I highlighted this last week, it's a, oh, that person's drinking too much when you're eating too much. You know, we, 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 can't, we can't be highlighting and pinpointing certain sins. You know, it's, it, all of it's wrong. And all, all of us struggle. I've got my struggles. You've got, you have your struggles. The world has their struggles. And I think sometimes, you know, people from that LGBTQ group they don't want to come to church because we all think that we're holier than thou when we've got our, our struggles as well. So let, let's, let's be careful not to be highlighting other sins uh, above, above other ones. You know, all of them are wrong in God's eye. And, and yes, I do th there are sins that have greater consequences than other sins. That have greater consequences. But all, all of it's sin and we need to be continually moving towards holiness 
with God. There is no place for these things as believers. Um, we, we, we need to guard our tongues. We need to guard our bodies. We need to guard our hearts. You know, be careful little eye what you see, little tongue what you say, little, you know, uh, I, I struggle with being harsh. And one of my daily prayers is like, Lord, help me to be gentle. Help me to be gentle with my actions, my words, and my thoughts. I even ask, I even ask the Lord, help, help me to have gentle thoughts. Because what we think about will eventually come out of our mouth and turn into actions. I, I, I can be harsh. And, uh, and that's something I need to grow in. So I, so I, ask, I ask the Lord to give me, give me gentle thoughts. We're saturated in the things of the world. Uh, here's a little quote from Harold Lind, Lind, Lindsell, The World, the Flesh, and the Devil. Jesus said that as the Father sent him into the world, so he has sent his disciples into the world. John 17, 18. This is the great paradox of the Christian life. We live in the world, but are not of the world. It's a paradox. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. What a high order that is. Sometimes we wonder, is it even possible to be holy as God is holy? Uh, only, only by the grace of Jesus Christ. So if, if we are going to prepare and warn ourselves, we must recognize that there is something to fear. We live in a hostile environment, as I've been talking about. We, we live in a very dangerous world. Hostility is growing stronger every day towards Christians, towards those who want to stand on God's truth. 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. 1 John 5, 19, wait a minute. I thought God was sovereign. Isn't God in control of everything? Well, according to this verse, everything in this world is under the control of the evil one. Everything, right? Isn't that what the verse said? We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, but only what God allows him to have, of course. But, but Satan is ruling right now. Are we prepared to struggle? Do we recognize we must struggle as a part of the Christian fight of faith? And in fact, one could even ask the question, if I'm not struggling right now, am I really pursuing God wholeheartedly as I should be if I'm not struggling unless you've arrived I I haven't I haven't arrived do we recognize we must struggle as a part of the Christian fight of faith so let's move on uh, materialism and wealth and worldliness we are constantly influenced by this culture even in the church at times that we should have more money make more money become wealthier and wealthier and that this is our God-given right to have more possessions and live in more ease and comfort. What do we often do with this wealth? Well, often we just spend it on our pleasures. 
um, as of as of 2007, and it's probably gotten worse since then. But uh, gi- giving in churches in America has hovered uh, around two to three percent of our weekly income. Hover around two two to three percent. God, God asks for ten percent, but it, but it's hovered around two to three percent, probably even less in this day and age. Ecclesiastes two, verse ten and eleven says, "And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep keep from them. I kept my heart." From no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Remember, this world is fading away. This world is fading away. Sometimes I think about that. You guys know I I have a little bit of OCD. I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. I see something that's out of order, some mark on the floor, whatever, and I just want to fix it right away. And I'm starting to get to the point. I'll look and think, you know what? This house is just going to burn someday anyway. Why, why, why take all the time to make things perfect? You know, I, I like to keep things clean and orderly. God is a God of order. But I, I've, as I've gotten older, I've learned to just let go of some things and think, you know what? My time would be better spent 20 minutes playing a game with my kids than working on this little piddly mark on the floor for 20 minutes. You know, uh, that's, that's helped me. But everything's fading away. Everything's fading away. As Solomon concluded from this passage, Ecclesiastes 2, so too, we as Christians must conclude that this world and its values and its entertainments are at best suspect and often opposed to the health of our souls. Do we ever pray before shopping? Open up that Amazon shopping app. Oh, it's so easy, isn't it? You just scroll through like, yeah, I think I need one of those. Drop it in the cart. Oh, do we ever pray about it before we go shopping? Might sound silly, but you know, maybe, maybe we should. Or at least ask ourselves, how would the Lord have me spend my money? What would the Lord think of this new gadget that I'm about to purchase? Or uh, this video game. Or perhaps this new piece of jewelry. Jesus, what do you think about this, this outfit, this purse that I want to buy? I'm not picking on you, moms. But. <laughs> this, this restaurant tab. Would Jesus be glorified by seeing this restaurant tab that I just racked up? How about that movie ticket to that particular movie? Am I, am I honoring Jesus with how I'm spending my money? Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be pressed into the mold of this world. If we are imitating the world, we are not imitating God. Now, here's where I'm going to highlight a famous mother. So uh, here's how one Christian mom wrote to her boy and warned him about this kind of pressure, this kind of worldly confirmation. Her name was Susanna Wesley, and she wrote this to her son, John. Whatever weakens your reason, whatever impairs the tenderness of your conscience, Whatever obscures your sense of God, 
Whatever increases the authority of your body over your mind. Whatever takes away your relish for spiritual things. That to you is sin. No matter how innocent it is in itself. Talk about a hard lesson from mom. (laughs) I think she's right. Man, what, what great godly advice. And for a mom to have the courage to speak truth like that to her child. You know, when I was first thinking about what to speak on on this Sunday, and I ran this by Haley, I said, hey, you know what, what do you think about if I do like a, like a, a pledge or a, a tribute to my, to my own mother? And, and, then, and then I was thinking like, well, yeah, if, if I honor my own mom, I, I should probably honor my wife as well. I mean, she, you know, she deserves a couple points here and there. Yeah. <laughs> You know what Haley's response was? I'm glad she's not here. She said, <laughs> I, don't want there be a, I don't want there to be a Haley worship message, is what she told me. And that just reminded me of what a good deal I got the day I got married. She's, uh, she's so humble. She doesn't like, she hates it. She really does. Like when I, when I, talk about her most all the time. It's good things. I, I think, you know, especially on Sunday mornings when I get home, she's like, Paul, why did you have to tell everybody that? You know, like, well, hon, I, <laughs> people like when I praise you, like, ah, you know, so, but she, she really is a wonderful woman. But, but one thing where I'm getting at with this is, is my, my mother, man, I, I can't remember many or any situations where she wasn't afraid to tell me some hard truth. And she would just say it like it is. No, no sugarcoating. No, uh, well, yeah, you can try harder next time, Paul. It's like, Paul, you really messed up. <laughs> this was wrong when you did, you know. And she, she would give me hard. And you know what? Uh, I, I now am so thankful for that because it, it's helped me. And it's, it's never easy for anybody to accept criticism or uh, to tell hard truth. But I, I know that has helped me as a pastor. Believe it or, believe it or not, once in a while I do receive some some feedback and some constructive criticism on how I'm doing as a pastor and leading the church. And I'm never going to please everybody a hundred percent. That's just how it is. You know, my, my number one goal is to please God. Uh, I, I do want to be considerate and empathetic of people's thoughts, opinions, etc. cetera. Uh, but uh, having that training from my mom to, to learn to hear hard truths has helped with that. Be like, okay, let's, let's fix it. And, and fi- finding my worth in God's eyes and not, not in the eyes of people who are, who are fickle and change from day to day, whereas God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's immutable, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. I can always count on him, solid rock. And uh, learning to cling to that truth, that probably, probably one reason that I just love truth so much and I get so angry when I see lies being propagated in our culture because I, I, I love truth. My, my mom drilled it into me. <laughs> things, things like this, you know, man, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't even get to go to my senior prom because they didn't want us dating while we were in high school and you had to have a date to go to prom. And uh, in the moment I resented her, but now I, I'm so thankful. Parents, moms, it's okay to speak truth to your children. Because if you don't do it, who's going to? 
fathers. I know it's not Father's Day yet. My goodness, we, we need to speak, even, even adult children. I know we've got a lot of people here. Your children are growing up, but it's, it's okay to speak truth to them. We need to, <clears throat> even, if they, even if they don't want to hear it. Thomas Watson, a godly man's picture, uh, he wrote this. A godly man will not go as far as he may, lest he go further than he should. Wow. A godly man will not go as far as he may, lest he go further than he should. And, and I, I've, seen, <laughs> I've seen this with some of my kids. You know, we'll make some kind of rule, you know, you know whatever, you know, don't, don't hit your sibling. And then, you know, they'll go up and do like a little, you know, Josiah hit me. You know, so it's like, no, 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 dad, I didn't hit him. I just, I just tapped him. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like you, you get, you give a kid a line and they, they will go right up to that, right? <laughs> They'll go right up to that line, uh, you know, but a godly man will not go as far as he may, lest he go farther than, further than he should. So, so for parents, when children ask, and, and we, we've done this with our kids, when children ask, why can't we do it? All of our friends are doing it. Look at them now. They get to do it. A good response is, others may, we may not. Others may, we may not. Simple to the point. But dad, our friends got this video game. Others may, we may not. That was another thing. Uh, we begged and begged and begged my mom to get us a Nintendo. Over and over and over. She didn't want to do it. She didn't, fi finally, she, she broke down one Christmas. We got it. And she, to this day, she said, it's still one of the worst decisions that I made. My, one, one of my brothers became addicted. He, he, was, he was up, you know, just playing Super Mario Brothers. It's not like he's playing like awful shoot 'em up whatever. But, I mean, he's up, up at 2, 3 in the morning playing these, playing these video games. And, like, he, he would get caught and, oh, man. <laughs> I remember, you know, I'm a deep sleeper, and I remember waking out of a pretty deep sleep and hearing, what are you doing? It's two in the morning. And I just, and I'm like, oh, no, he's going to get it. <laughs> oh. Yep, and then we didn't see the game system for probably like a month. And, you know, but uh, Haley and I are convicted. We, we will not get a game system in our house. We only have watching night, three nights a week. Uh, I do have, like, a few really simple games on my iPad, and like sometimes on our family day, we're like, okay, you got 15 minutes, that's it. Very, very limited. Uh, we haven't even, we're not even worried about cell phones yet. We'll probably get them one when they get married or something, but uh, um, anyway, uh, let's be parents. And Haley, Haley and I have made lots of mistakes, but uh, one, one of the problems in our, our culture is that parents just aren't doing their job. I, I saw that for seven years, teaching in the public school system. You know, I have these kids in my class and then I meet their parents during parent-teacher conferences and I'm like, now I know why your child is the way they are. <laughs> you know? I, I, I'm not kidding. I think probably at least when I, when I was in the public school system between 2007 and 2014, I think at least half the parents, I, I know this, they drop their kids off at school and say, you raise my kids, I'm going to go do what I want to do. And they're, they're not being parents. And that's probably one of the greatest problems in our culture right now, as parents who don't want to be parents. It's time to step up. All right, moving on. We'll, we'll close with this. Here's some, here's some Christian guidelines when called to make decisions. 
So should, should I do this? Should I watch this? Should I, should I listen to this? Should I participate? So here's, here's some guidelines. Number one, is there any clear teaching about the area in the Bible? These should be in your bulletin. I hope it's a, a, a useful reference in the future, maybe even today. Is there any clear teaching about the, uh, the area in the Bible? Number two, what would Jesus do in this area? He used to have the WWJD bracelets back, not, well, a while ago. <laughs> what would Jesus do? Yeah. Number three, is my heart attached to it? Ooh, there's a good question. Is my heart attached to it? Number four, what is the spirit or the atmosphere of the thing? Five, will this help or harm my Christian life and walk? Six, how will this influence and affect others? And seven, if there is doubt, don't. Please don't. When in doubt, throw it out. We talked about that last time I preached. 1 Corinthians 7.31, those in frequent contact with the things of the world should make good use of them without becoming attached to them. For this world and all it contains will pass away. Is it wrong to earn lots of money? Absolutely not. God blesses us for our works. He blesses each according to what they're able to handle. The question is, what are we, what are we using that money for? I, I've been convicted on that. You know, even having a Roth IRA and watching this money grow, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I could take that and feed like a couple villages in India where Christians are being persecuted. You know, it's, it's a, but, and then there's the verses, you know, uh, a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. You know, uh, so it's, it's a balance and each, each of us need to search our hearts. But I can tell you one day we will stand before Jesus and we'll be held accountable for uh, what kind of stewards we were with, with, what, with what he gave us. And I, I trust it'll be different for everybody, uh, but that, that day will come. So the, the expression here, uh, will pass away, is actually borrowed from theater, and it refers to the changing of scenes. Like, oh, scene change. Okay, now we're in a new scene. Okay, uh, William Shakespeare said this, uh, all the world's a stage, and all the men and women are merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. No, no, nothing in this world is, is permanent other than the word of God and people's souls. And that soul will exist forever in one of two places, heaven or hell. As we talked about last week, we need to look at people from that eternal perspective. And we, uh, as a side note, we have lots of tools at the table back there. We've got these bracelets that have five gospel verses on them. We've got gospel cards. Really encourage you, Christians, uh, be praying for that neighbor, that coworker, that family member, uh, to come to Christ. People, we, I, I don't know how much time we have left on this world, uh, but we have one day less today than we did yesterday. And what, what are we doing with our time? Are, are we sharing the gospel? The world is passing away and we should not act like this is all there is. We must force ourselves to remember what is coming up ahead. We have a glorious eternity waiting for us. Jesus is preparing a place for us right now. And he's coming back, and he's going to come back, as I've said, with eyes of fire, with a sword coming out of his mouth on a white horse. He will destroy Satan, the beast, the Antichrist, with the breath of his mouth to show his power. That, that day is coming. And until then, we're called to occupy until he comes, to be faithful, to be salt and light uh, in the public square, in our community, 
and to be sharing the gospel. People need to hear God's truth. The big idea, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. We'll, we'll pray and uh, close, close with one song. Father, thank you so much for this time. Not the most fun thing to talk about, but Lord, we just pray that you would capture our hearts today. Lord, help us to have a good spirit check today. What, what, what have I become attached to in this world above you? Am I, am I making worldly decisions? What, what worldly things am I doing, saying, thinking, participating in uh, that just need to be cut out of my life? Uh, I pray we'd examine ourselves. Lord, thank you for the parents out there that are speaking truth to their children, that are training them. Thank you for the moms uh, that are actually being moms, which is <laughs> almost a, a countercultural thing today to actually be a stay-at-home mom, train your kids, homeschool. Lord, I know not, not everyone is able to, to do that, but even just ha having moms that are focused on teaching their children when, when, when and as they are able to. Lord, I pray you'd raise up more mothers like the ones we have in our congregation here to be uh, teaching the ways of the Lord to their children, training their children. Lord, I pray for husbands, fathers to be supportive of that and even leading the charge, Lord, so that the moms wouldn't have so much pressure to be doing all the, the training, Lord. I pray for more fathers to step up and lighten that load of the mothers. My goodness, I've seen, I've seen the load my own wife has, and that's, it's a big load. So we just thank you for moms today. Lord, pray that we would pursue you and the things of heaven, not the things of this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.